Well, a third place finish in the PK 85 was not what anyone had in mind for the Zags, but there's a lot to like after this team's gutsy win over Xavier on Sunday. You are locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through what is clearly going to be an up and down roller coaster season of Gonzaga hoops. All right, it is Monday, but it is not Mailbag Monday. We are pushing that again to Tuesday so we can talk about this Xavier game. What a gutsy, really, really nice performance from the Gonzaga Bulldogs to absorb a punch from Sean Miller's Musketeers, let them get back into the game, and then still crawl back and secure a victory and a third-place finish in Portland. Uh, I know that it's been a, a challenge to watch the Zags the last couple of games as they have had a couple of blowouts, which is very unusual for the Bulldogs, and some close calls against teams that we're not used to seeing them have close calls against. But I think the fact that they have two really gutsy come-from-behind victories against very good teams in Michigan State and Xavier is a testament to the will and the fight that this team has and the ability that that they clearly have even when they are not playing at their best when they haven't put all of the pieces together just yet uh it's hard to obviously see them lose games the way that they have lost games and we will clearly talk more about that uh, as the offseason goes on and we'll talk more about it on mailbag monday lots of questions after the purdue game came forward as you can probably imagine I want to focus on the Xavier game today because that is the newest update. And of course, I'm a fairly relentlessly positive person on the podcast, so we are going to stick with some of the positive stuff, at least for now. Uh, And the Zags won. They defeated Xavier 88-84, to third place finish in PK-85. Julian Strother was the reason that they secured a victory here. He had a career-high 23 points coming off of a really strong, a rough game against Purdue for him to bounce back from that game, go five of eight from deep score 10 points in the final few minutes, hit two trays that basically buried Xavier at the end of the game, really clutch, really critical shots. The Zags absolutely needed them. Uh, He came off some screens, had some open looks and just knocked them down. Sean Miller, extremely, praised praised Julian Strother really a lot after the game talked about how he was a huge part of the game how his his shots at the end of the game were the biggest shots of the game and had a lot of nice words to say about Julian which it's always nice to see opposing coaches praise players he also I will talk a lot more about Ben Gregg later in the episode but Sean Miller also took some time specifically to talk to Ben Gregg who he had recruited when he was at Arizona so uh, nice to see him kind of give some some praise there but this is a really critical game for Julian and what it really showed us uh, for for Gonzaga fans is that there is a player that the Zags can rely on when Drew isn't having his best game. And unfortunately, Julian hasn't been extremely consistent yet this year, and that is what Gonzaga is missing is a consistent secondary star. It's why Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhard were just oh, oh so critical to Gonzaga's team last year because either of them could have been that guy. And now when Drew doesn't have a particularly great game, he did not play well in the first half of this game. Four points and four fouls in the first half for Drew Timmy. Two of seven shooting. He, of course, rebounded in the second half as we're used to seeing him do. 16 points. He finished with seven assists as well. Uh, He also had seven turnovers, which we have talked about Drew Timmy's turnover issues. And I have kind of 
taken the 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 stance that as a big man who has the ball in his hands an incredibly high rate uh, just a large amount of time Armando Baycott for North Carolina also has significant turnover issues and it's it's kind of the same thing as if, if you come down the floor and the immediate first thing you do is put the ball in a big man's hand whether he's five feet eight feet 15 feet 25 feet away from the basket and you let him go to work you're gonna kind of you're kind of accepting that there's going to be some turnovers having said that seven turnovers is too many cannot be turning the ball over seven times in a game. The Zags did great with turnovers in this game. They had 13 turnovers. That means that the rest of the team had just six turnovers compared to Drew Timmy, who had seven. That's really good. Nolan Hickman didn't have turnover issues. Julian Strother, who has had significant turn, He's been one of the biggest issues for Gonzaga with regards to turnovers. He had just one. In a game where he had a career-high 23 points, had the ball in his hands a lot, he had just one turnover. That is a huge development for Gonzaga. Nolan Hickman's ability to take better care of the basketball over the last couple of games has been monstrously critical for this team going forward. But Drew Timmy still has turnover issues. And I'm not sure how much those are going to get fixed, certainly against lower-level competition and the WCC against some of the opponents they'll face there. Uh, He's still going to get double-teamed. He's still going to probably have some situations where he's uh, a bit slow getting the pass out and maybe turns it over that way. But I'm expecting to not see very many more seven turnover games, hopefully not too many more five-plus turnover games for Drew. Uh, But seeing the rest of the team really kind of handle the turnover issue against a, a pretty good team in Xavier. They're not an elite defensive team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're a good team. And for Gonzaga to be able to take really good care of the basketball against that team is a promising sign for what is to come for them going forward. Uh, with regards to Drew having a, a struggle in the first half, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about that. Drew Timmy would have to have a lot of really bad games in a row or look very obviously hurt or uh, different for me to be ultimately all that concerned. Xavier's got, they got some size, Zach Fremantle, Jack Nunge, really good players. Nunge had, I think 25 points in this one. He was, he was an absolute monster. Uh, the Zags have an issue defending high level posts, which is another thing that we're going to talk about more uh, in the future segments or future episodes of the show, uh, especially after Zach E.D. did what Zach E.D. did against the Zags for Purdue. And again, Nunge and Fremantle having nice games for Xavier as well. Uh, but overall, the Zags looked fantastic in this one. 54% from deep. They made 13 threes in this one, 13 of 24. Of course, we said Strother went five of eight. Uh, Nolan Hickman went four of seven. We got a lot more conversation coming your way about Nolan Hickman in the second segment of today's show and the outstanding performances that he had in this game, as well as the game against Purdue. Uh, Rasir Bolden, Anton Watson, Ben Gregg, each went one of two from deep. Hunter Salas knocked down a three as well. Really, really nice overall well-rounded performance from the Zags. They still got some issues that they need to work on. Uh, One thing we're going to talk about more on Tuesday's episode, but it's worth bringing up here is the kind of disappearing act we have seen from transfer Malachi Smith in bigger games. He has played very, very well against Gonzaga's lower level competition. He had a great game against Portland state uh, in Portland. He also had a very nice game against North Florida to kick off the season against the Ospreys at home. Against Gonzaga's better competition, against Michigan State, against Kentucky, against Texas, Purdue, and even Xavier, we just haven't really seen Malachi Smith be a big-time contributor. Uh, He does some good stuff, but he never really shows up in the box score, doesn't do a lot of scoring, didn't score in this one. Uh, And I think that Gonzaga needs another guard. They need another player who can come in, who can give them energy, who can give them contribution, who can stretch the floor, shoot from the outside, play good defense. All things that Malachi Smith has proven he is capable of doing against 
teams like Portland State against teams like North Florida. He hasn't proven that he can be a big-time contributor against higher-level opponents. Typically, I don't look at the splits too often for this because if players are good, they're going to be usually good against most levels of competition. But it is a pretty stark difference right now in how how Malachi Smith is playing and even how he is being utilized uh, against teams like this as opposed to some of the other teams that Gonzaga plays. It is something that I'm keeping a close eye on going forward because if Malachi Smith is a big contributor for the Zags the WCC season, but suddenly can't help them as much in March, that's going to be a problem for this team going forward. All right, there were a lot of ups and downs this week in Gonzaga land, including two players who flashed significant potential and improvement during their time in the Rose City. More on them and what it means for this team going forward. But first, I want to tell you all about Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. The app is very easy to use, and there's no catch. To get started, download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and you will get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 and up. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's part of why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 and up. $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 and up using code LOCKED. All right, today's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people to hire for your team faster and for free. It's extremely simple to use. Start by adding your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, Andy Patton here, Locked on Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, two players we are talking about here in the second segment. I mentioned early on in the show that I tend to skew towards the positive. We will have plenty of conversation about Gonzaga's woes and flaws and some of the things they need to work on, especially leading up to a huge game against Baylor in Sioux Falls, South Dakota on Friday. But I want to talk about Gonzaga's point guard, Nolan Hickman, and the two performances that we saw from him against Purdue and Xavier, a sign of very, very promising things to come for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Nolan Hickman was outstanding this weekend. Simply put, he was fantastic. And 
as much as he has been criticized early in the year, he needs to be praised when we do start to see those things come around because we knew that this would happen. This was a big part of the conversation is Nolan Hickman needs a little time. Gonzaga's schedule didn't afford players time to acclimate to the system. They hit the road hard immediately. They had their scrimmage game against Tennessee, which was televised. They had North Florida. Excuse me. They had the exhibition game against Warner Pacific, and then they had the North Florida game. And then, of course, they went straight into Michigan State. They played Texas. They played Kentucky. They had their gimme game against Portland State and then Purdue and Xavier. It has been a really, really rough stretch for the Zags early on and players who needed to acclimate to new roles, uh, new players, Malachi Smith, Efton Reed, of course, uh, and then players who are playing new positions. Julian Strother's playing a little bit of a new position. Anton Watson's being asked to do a little bit more. Uh, certainly Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas are both being asked to do new things as well. So it's a team with a lot of players who are doing something different uh, for the first time in their careers. And so you could see that that shift starting to happen for some of these guys. You're seeing players get more comfortable. Certainly Anton Watson has been in that conversation. Julian Strother dropping a career high uh, against Xavier is a great sign for him getting more used to his role. But Nolan Hickman ha has been the player who's improved the most uh, from the first start of the season until now. And it really showed up in both the Purdue and the Xavier game. Against Purdue, he had 15 points, five assists, and one steal. He was six for 11 from the field, three of seven from deep. You like to see him being more aggressive, hunting his shot. Uh, he's looking for opportunities to score. He's distributing the basketball well, doing all of the little things right against Xavier, even more efficient in that one, 14 points and five assists. He also had six rebounds against the Musketeers, five of 10 from the field and four of seven from deep in that one. Really clutch shots against Xavier. He had a really, really big three-pointer after Xavier kind of hit Gonzaga pretty hard in the middle of the second half and ended up taking a, a pretty big lead after being down as much as 13 points. We've seen Gonzaga kind of squander leads in the past, and a couple times this year they didn't look so good uh, trying to fight their way out of that against Purdue. You kind of saw them sort of make some moves to fight against, to fight against it and try to come back in that game, and it ultimately fell short. Uh, there was some fear, some consternation among the fan base that it was going to happen again against Xavier. Uh, Rasir Bolton hit a nice three, and the next possession down, I think Ben Gregg tipped it out, ended up swinging it over to Nolan Hickman, wide open in the corner, bang. He hit a three, a really clutch shot, and then Julian Strasser kind of carried them home after that. But against Purdue and Xavier, two good quality teams produce a top 10 team in the country. Xavier is not ranked right now, uh, but is a, is a, a legitimate player in the big East and a team that I think is going to get better as the year goes on. Uh, Nolan Hickman in those two games against those two opponents, 10 assists and two turnovers, 10 to two assist to turnover ratio. That is Andrew Nembhard esque uh, in terms of assist to turnover ratio. This is a huge development for Nolan Hickman. It needs to be discussed, needs to be addressed that he looked like the player Gonzaga needs him to be in those two games. He didn't just look good in games like North Florida, Portland State. It's not a Malachi Smith situation. He looked good against really good opponents. He took care of the basketball. He made the right decision in terms of when to pass up open shots, when to take open shots. He knocked down well over 40% of his three-pointers. He's shooting 44% on the season now. After ugly start to this year shooting the basketball, Nolan Hickman through six games is now shooting 44% from deep. That is incredible. Obviously, it's a tiny sample size, but that is still Really notable that Nolan Hickman, who's been criticized for not having that outside shot, for that not being an element of his game, is now shooting 40, 44% from deep. He's been a steady presence. He's not trying to do too much. He's playing within himself. He's attacking the, the ball screens appropriately. He knows when to make that dump pass to Drew Timmy. Uh, he knows when to take that little floater in the lane, which is a, an Andrew Nempard specialty, something that he almost certainly picked up from him uh, over the last year. And it has been just 
fantastic to see Hickman start to develop into that player that we know he's capable of being. The point guard that Gonzaga not not just wants him to be, needs him to be, needs him to be that guy. Those lineups with Hunter Salas bringing the ball up the court and immediately getting into uh, just a, a motion offense at the top of the key. I don't mind that, and I think there are situations when that's really nice to be able to do, and having Hunter Salas and his d- defensive instincts on the floor is great. But Gonzaga really, in order to really hum along and, and be as efficient as they can be, they need – somebody engineering the train. They need a point guard who's kind of running the show and getting everything going and situated. Nolan Hickman proved against Xavier and Purdue that he can be that guy. Still got some stuff he needs to work on. He's only two for two from the free throw line this year. I would love to see him attack more, draw contact, get to the free throw line, find himself a way to get some more easy buckets that way. But it's hard to be too nitpicky after the last two games that we've seen from Nolan Hickman in a Gonzaga uniform. And then got to talk Ben Gregg. We have to talk about the biggest development for Gonzaga that we saw over this weekend in Portland, Oregon over Thanksgiving. And that is that Ben Gregg stole himself a rotation spot and looked pretty dang good doing it. Uh, Ben Gregg looked awesome this weekend. There's no other way to put it. Against Purdue, nine points, two boards, two blocks in nine minutes. Nine minutes of action. He finished with two blocks, two boards, and nine points. Of course, he also finished with five fouls in that nine minutes, hence why he only played that much. But that was kind of his role. I think players just straight up accepting the role that they are given is perfect. Ben Gregg was brought into the game to make life hard for Zach Eady as long as Ben Gregg was capable of making life hard for Zach Eady. That was his job. And do you know what? He did it really freaking well in this game. Two of five from deep. You'd like to see a few more of those long distance shots go down. But you know what? I am totally content with Ben Gregg taking five threes in a nine minute span. If I remember correctly, there was one of those threes that was like, okay, that was maybe not a great shot. The rest Good open looks. This is what he's on the team to do. He is on the team to stretch the floor, to give more spacing to Drew Timmy or Efton Reed or whoever is playing in the middle, and to provide some level of energy boost on the defensive end of the floor. I have criticized Ben Gregg's defense on this podcast before, and I will eat my words in the sense that he looked awesome in this game. I still think he's got plenty of work to do defensively, but who doesn't, especially young bigs. It's just hard to get... To, to, to find yourself on that end of the floor. I mean, a lot of Gonzaga's best defensive players weren't good at it right away. Shemek Karnowski really struggled early on. We're seeing Efton Reed go through similar struggles. For Ben to kind of start to be finding that role, get himself a couple of blocks, uh, you know, make life difficult for Zach Eady. Yeah, I don't mind that he fouled out in nine minutes. I really don't because I think that was kind of what he was supposed to do on the court was make life as difficult for Eady as he possibly could while giving some contribution on the offensive end of the floor, which he did perfectly. And then the Xavier game, the Xavier game was truly the breakout. And it's funny because you look at the box score, he only had three points, he only played 13 minutes. It doesn't look like this really big, dramatic breakthrough type performance for Ben Gregg necessarily. But watching the game, I mean, first of all, the three-pointer that he hit, the three points that he got was right at the end of the half. Gonzaga was losing momentum really didn't have any going into halftime. It looked like they were going to kind of limp to the finish line to finish out the first half, which we've seen them do a handful of times this year already. Then Ben Gregg hit what looked like the 29-foot three-pointer, absolute cash, nothing but net, sent the Zags into halftime with the six-point lead, gave them some momentum. Those were the only points of the game, but he also had six rebounds, including three offensive rebounds for a stretch of time in the second half. Ben Gregg was everywhere. He was everywhere on the court. He was every time the ball bounced off the rim, it seemed like it was coming up in his hands. He had a couple tap backs like this. I think he tapped one back that ended up being a, a play that swung around to Nolan Hickman for a really clutch three uh, in the midpoint of the second half when Gonzaga was kind of getting through Xavier's blows and, and ended up taking the lead and, and never relinquishing it after that. 
This is the best stretch that Ben Gregg has played in a Gonzaga uniform. And, and it's not particularly close, to be honest. He hasn't played in very many games against high-level opponents. And Mark Few acknowledged that after the game. He said, playing in these games is a privilege. It is not a right. And he's acknowledging that if you're, if I'm giving you minutes against a team like Xavier in a game that we want to win for, you know, to get the third place finish to, you know, to not drop another game this season. If I'm playing you in those games, it is not because I feel obligated to play you or because, you know, whatever situation, you're just the next guy up. It is a privilege. If he, if you don't deserve to play, he will not play you. He's made that very clear throughout, not just in words, but like through, through the way that he has coached for the last 20 years. So he believed Ben Gregg was ready to help and contribute to this team right at that moment. And he was right because Ben Gregg did. Ben Gregg played awesome in this game. Efton Reed, one minute, one minute of action in this game. And look, I I like Efton Reed. And I think Efton Reed is going to be a player who contributes to this team in a fairly significant way at some point. I am becoming less optimistic that that will really even happen this year i think we will see better days are ahead for efton reed this year i don't think that we have seen like the most of him for the entire season he's not going to get entirely just buried on the bench but ben Gregg is ahead of him on the depth chart right now and i would be shocked if that changes i would be surprised if that changes and considering how well anton watson is playing considering how much the zags are utilizing julian strother in that small ball four role your rotation up front becomes kind of Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, Julian Strother, and then Ben Gregg. And that that might be it. That might be all we get. So Efton Reed could end up finding himself in a situation where he's not playing very often. Maybe he gets some more garbage time minutes going forward. But I think Ben has earned the opportunity to play. Right now, the, the Efton Reed, Drew Timmy lineups do not work. There's not enough spacing. There's not enough outside shooting. Defensively, it's a bit of a mess. Uh, ben Gregg still has some work to do on the defensive end of the floor, but he's 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 doing it. He's working really hard on that end of the floor. He's he just manhandled Zach Eady. If you can do that for a few minutes in a game, you're going to be prepared to, to handle the big men you're going to see in the WCC and going forward this season. Uh, so Ben is going to be that guy. He's going to fill that role, and I don't know how big of a role this will be. It kind of will depend on matchups. It'll depend on the situation, but – when the Zags need a big man and it can't be Anton or or Drew or even Julian, I, I don't think they're turning to Reed right away. They're turning to Ben Gregg. And I think Ben's going to hold that role for the rest of the season. And I'm really excited for him. I think he does a lot of really good things. Again, the lineup with him and and uh, Drew Timmy on the floor at the same time is really, really nice because of the spacing. Gives Drew more, more room to operate down low. Well, the AP poll is going to look a lot different on Monday. We discuss where Gonzaga might end up and where they should end up. But first, our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On Podcast Network called Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Zags' latest game or throughout the team's history. Against Xavier on Sunday was all Julian Strother down the stretch as he hit a pair of clutch threes to ice the game for the Bulldogs and secure a third-place finish in the highly competitive PK-85. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. And guess what, guys? The AP poll is going to look a lot, a lot different this week. So many 
things have happened in college basketball. It's been such a strange season already. And I think there's a, a much larger conversation to be had about how the transfer portal has altered how early season college basketball looks. And we're seeing teams be more aggressive with their schedule, specifically Gonzaga, of course, because that is who we all see on a daily basis. They have played a rigorous non-conference schedule. We've seen Michigan State do similar as well. And we've seen a handful of other high-profile programs are doing similar things, or at least we're playing in big games this past weekend in the Feast Week. And we saw a lot of upsets. We saw a lot of teams lose games that we did not expect to see them lose. And certainly uh, it has shaken up what is going to be a very new looking AP top five on Monday. Of course, Gonzaga and North Carolina began the season in the one and two spot. Both those teams now have two losses on the year. Gonzaga's, of course, to Texas and Purdue. North Carolina lost to Iowa State, who ended up finishing second on their side of the PK bracket behind UConn. Uh, North Carolina also lost a four-overtime game to Alabama that I was fortunate enough to be at. Spent my entire Sunday afternoon watching North Carolina's guard Caleb Love just shoot shot after shot after shot after shot. He finished that game with 36 shot attempts which is pretty unheard of of course for overtime games you're going to see some inflated numbers but that was still a ridiculous contest uh, for the Tar Heels Pete Nance and Armando Baycott are their two big men they're both very very talented players but they have struggled to find ways to play those two guys at the same time because of their defensive deficiencies I guess is the best way to put it and just their kind of spacing on the offensive end so that's something to, to keep an eye, eye on with North Carolina they're not going to be uh, in the top 10 probably not even in the top 15 despite starting the season at number one Houston is probably going to be the number one team in the country and I think that they deserve it they have been very very good this year the Cougs are a fantastic program but they also scored 49 points against Kent State who Gonzaga plays on December 5th so we have seen them struggle in a significant way their biggest non-conference victory right now is a true road win at Oregon Oregon has not looked all that good even though Oregon with just six scholarship players managed to defeat Villanova who finished eighth out of eight on their side of the bracket in the Phil Knight Invitational, Villanova coach Kyle Neptune having a really rough start to his tenure uh, after Jay Wright's departure for the Wildcats, of course. Villanova's missing freshman Cam Whitmore and star Justin Moore are both out with injuries, but another team that was expected to be in that top 10, top 15 conversation that is now not even really close to that conversation right now. Then you have Kansas. They lost to Tennessee. Tennessee, obviously a very good program. No shame there. But Kansas also only beat Wisconsin by one point. Wisconsin has not looked very good this season. So it has been a really interesting week at the top of the AP poll. Coming out right now, I think the top five, I'm going to give you what I think my top five is going to be and where I think Gonzaga is going to be. I was going to talk a little bit about whether ratings matter all of that much. Uh, for me, my top five right now, Houston Cougars, number one, followed by Gonzaga's least favorite team right now, the Texas Longhorns at number two. Texas has played one of the easiest schedules outside of Gonzaga amongst the top 10 teams uh, in Ken Palm right now, uh, but they haven't lost. And the one te good team they've played, they blew them out. So you got to give Texas uh, some credit right now. Now, uh, number three for me is Tony Bennett's Virginia Cavaliers. They are also undefeated. Uh, they have the fifth highest ranked offense in the entire country per Ken Palm, 15th highest defense. Both fantastic numbers. Very surprising to see Virginia with a better offense than defense. Uh, that is unusual for them. Number four is my third team from the great state of Texas, the Baylor Bears. Scott Drew's team, always a dangerous one and will be even better as Keontae George, their star freshman, kind of finds himself and finds his game a little bit as the season goes on. And then number five, the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, the only team with the loss, excuse me, actually Baylor and Tennessee both have losses, but uh, Tennessee, a, a team that 
has just looked really, really good at times this year. And I think has a legitimate, com- legitimate chance to be a number one overall seed in the team that we could see uh, playing in a final four, or even a national championship. Those are the teams that I have in the top five. Uh, a couple teams that just missed Purdue. Purdue has to be in this conversation. They were 24th last week, but to beat Gonzaga by 19 points, they beat Duke by 19 points. Do you know how many times two top 10 teams have been beat by 19 points uh, on consecutive days by the same team? Once, and it was like in 1968, I believe. Uh, I saw this on ESPN stats. So, what an incredible run for Xavier, or excuse me, for Purdue. Zach Eady looks like the legitimate player of the year candidate. He looks like the best player in college basketball right now. And so, for them, I don't know that they're going to jump from 24 into the top five. I don't know if they should necessarily, but they're clearly one of the 10 best teams in college basketball, the way that they played in those two games. And they're going to remain in that conversation. Uh, Arizona and UConn are the other two teams that I kind of want to talk about here. Uh, UConn blew out Iowa State to win their version of the PK Invitational. They're a top 20 team who should be in the top eight, top five potentially. Uh, I've seen a few places have them outside the top 10, but uh, Adama Sanogo is just so, so good for that team. Tristan Newton, uh, triple-double earlier in the year, has been fantastic for the Huskies. And then, of course, Tommy Lloyd's Arizona squad after losing Ben Matherin, Dallin Terry, and Christian Coloco to the NBA to turn it around with Azulis Tubelis, with Pella Larson, with Omar Ballo uh, stepping up in a really big way. He had 30 points uh, for them very recently. He's been fantastic, and Tommy's got that team absolutely rolling. For the Zags, I think they're going to be in the 10 to 15 range, and I think that that feels about right. To me, I think that's about where they should be. Ken Palm has them ninth. I think ninth is pretty good. I would be surprised if they are ninth in the AP poll just because they had two pretty big losses on their resume. They the doesn't look like they beat Xavier by all that much. It doesn't look like they beat Michigan State by all that much because they didn't in either of those games. But I think that those wins should count a fair amount because of how difficult it was to come back and secure those victories. But I think Gonzaga is probably a top 10 team in terms of talent uh, in the in the college basketball right now but they're not playing like a top 10 team to be clear they're not playing like a top 20 team for the most part this season I think that they're going to get there I think talent tends to win out uh, but right now if I was making an AP poll I think I would probably have them 11th 12th somewhere in that conversation again we kind of talked about some of the other teams that are going to be up in there Kentucky still going to be in there as well uh, Alabama is going to be in that conversation. Arkansas is going to be in that conversation. you got to figure out something to do with Duke and North Carolina as well. So uh, it's going to be an interesting AP poll. I think there's a lot of teams that are kind of – there's nobody who really wants to be number one, but there's a lot of teams that want to be in that like five to ten range. Gonzaga, I think, is just outside of that range. Obviously, a win over Baylor would help in a significant way to bump them back into that top five conversation. But even if they don't win that game, I think they'll remain ranked – Uh, going into conference play. It just might be a little lower than Gonzaga fans are used to. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Mailbag Monday is going to be a day late on Tuesday this week, so don't miss that. Get your questions submitted to me as soon as you can. If you have not already, also check out my new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's a national show all about college hoops with myself and co-host Isaac Shade. It is available wherever you get podcasts as well as on YouTube. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.